Previously on Two Star, Two Trek. If you take the 30,000 foot, you know, look at what the episode's about, it's about literally correcting a continuity error. (laughs) (laughs) That's very true. friends and fellow citizens of the Terran Empire. This is Two Star Two Trek. This week we are discussing In a Mirror Darkly, <laughs> episodes 18 and 19 of the fourth season of Enterprise. It is a fantastic Mirror Universe episode. My name is Ryan. I have of course with me my lovely co-host Caitlin. We have three fantastic guests who have all donned their goatees for the evening and are ready to talk the Mirror Universe. We have Beres, Derek, and Stacy ready to join us and talk all things on the other side of the universe. Beres, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing amazing, and I'm also very excited to talk about this episode because it is a favorite. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's great and a lot of fun. Derek, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fantastic considering there's an entire galaxy out there for me to conquer. the universe is your tomato you can do whatever you want with feeling strong and horny that's tomato (laughs) (laughs) and yeah the mirror universe tomato the tomato (laughs) stacy how are you doing tonight all glory to the empire fantastic i'm glad to hear it we've got glory to the empire i want to start off just by saying we are all very excited about this. I really hope this doesn't go off the rails, but we're going to see. It might. <laughs> we're going to start with the cold open and the credits and then just go from there. The cold open is a reframing of First Contact where after Zephram Cochran does the Live Long and, and Prosper. And, and the music plays and your heart swells because you forget. If it's been long enough since you've seen First Contact, maybe a few weeks, and you hear the music, and you're like, this is right here, right in my heart space. And then he pulls out a shotgun and shoots the Vulcan. <laughs> Oopsie doops. And then we get a really cool, awesome title sequence that is completely batshit and more focused on war, and includes a couple shots from The Hunt from Red October for some reason. Because Paramount owned it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> Paramount at the time was Jack Ryan's home. That is uh, correct. Not so much anymore, but that is neither here nor there. And then we're, we're off to the races. This is a Mirror Universe episode. And I will say, like, my favorite thing about this episode is the fact that unlike other Mirror Universe episodes, nobody's stuck in the Mirror Universe. Like, they don't bring somebody over from the prime time. I kept waiting for that because I think it took... Scott Bakula a little while to ease into the mirror version of his character. And as a result, because I hadn't seen this episode in a very long time, I kept thinking to myself, okay, did they like cross Archer over and he's like undercover? Like at what point are they going to reveal that he's not supposed to be there? But I think it's just that, yeah, it took him a little bit to get eased into it. Yeah. Into being a prick. Because everybody's a prick well, in the mirror. Growling universe. and feeling up his chair. I and think then he found himself. Yeah. And then feeling up to Paul. and Yeah. Just basically feeling up all... He was very tactile. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely a horny universe. Derek, did you watch this when it aired? Did you just shit your pants? Yeah, like... yeah, I did. And I didn't see it coming because, of <laughs> course, at that time, I mean, it's not like there wasn't an internet, you guys. You smart asses. It, there was an internet, <laughs> but it was pretty primitive compared to now. And it wasn't, you know, 100% built around making money for someone. So, you know, you had to wait a while before a conversation got started. Maybe later that night. We all talked about it on some wizard channel or whatever, some easy board. But uh, yeah, it was a total shock, total surprise. Out of left field. It's great. It's a cool moment to see. God, what's his name? Zephram Cochran. Can't remember the actor's name. That'll uh, do. James, James, James Cromwell. Cromwell. James, James Cromwell. Cromwell. Yes. That'll do, pig. That'll do. James Cromwell. Yes. That'll yes. do. <laughs> That'll do, pig. Click, click. And then he shoots the Vulcan. So the question, so question, though, is this like... Is this what would be like, like to to borrow from another universe, the Nexus point, or is there where's where's the branching off point for the mirror universe? Because like I think we talked a little off mic about how there are like recurring characters that even hundreds of years later still manage to like be born into this universe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, like, for sure. where does that start? I I would love to hear theories from the group. I think in the intro, because I mean, it shows basically all the ships battling from much earlier on. So the impression I get is that the whole mirror universe is just slightly more evil. Like even the cave people at the time are probably still more aggressive right. than what maybe our alpha universe cave people would be like. So you think it's like the entire, like from day one, Grog picks up rock and hits just a little bit harder than normal, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. It's yeah, a, it's a cool theory, but like, what, was Einstein a dick? Like, yeah, I just, no. I don't, I don't get it. Probably Thomas Edison was then, trying to shock people everywhere. He was just running around. <laughs> Thomas Edison was already a dick in the main universe. That's, that's, <laughs> I feel like in their universe, yeah, you, Tesla you was actually the yeah, dick, but Edison right. wasn't. Right, well, in right. the mirror universe, in the mirror universe, Tesla disintegrated Thomas Edison, Ooh, took over his I empire. I like and, it. Yes. That's and why he, the engines are made by Tesla. He ruled by uh, <laughs> he ruled with an iron fist as a cyborg until he was slain by his disciple Elon Musk, who took the throne and took all oh. the credit for Tesla's inventions, but never did a damn Gross. thing. And he has enslaved an AI copy of Tesla's brain and now rules as his own upgraded cyborg version deep in the hollowed <laughs> earth of Mars. Intense. Maybe. <laughs> Paramount. Maybe. And that's why Jason Isaacs name drops Elon Musk. Exactly. Like he's actually smart. He's actually actually a genius. Yeah. And not a a trash fire. You have to admit the first part of the cold open with Zephyr Cochran wouldn't have been that out of place with like a billionaire from our own timeline. Oh, you know, taking his taking his place in the suit. Yeah. Bezos would have double tapped. I, I would really love to see first contact happen. I think that would be great and awesome. We're we're gonna be real bad at it. But like we're gonna be real bad at it because Nobody is going to think, oh, man, we should, like, talk to these people. Everybody's going to be like, shoot first. Aliens are a liberal hoax. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, real. Shoot care. first. It's going to be the, the de facto way to... It's broken bow. <laughs> That's what they want you to believe, man. It's just scary. I want to get to a Star Trek future... I don't think it's ever going to happen, and it bums me out. I mean, the Mirror Universe is technically a Star Trek feature. That's true. (laughs) A non-dystopian one, please, would be kind of cool. That would be all right. Well, like, speaking of lineages and legacies and things like that, one of the things this episode does right off the bat is it brings back Admiral Forrest, but instead of being an admiral to Starfleet, he is the captain of the Enterprise. 
So, like, I just, I don't know, I guess because, like, Earth still has an emperor instead of, like, a traditional command structure, like, UN thing. I don't know. It's very weird. I want to know more because I think it's interesting. Yeah, no, I think I think he was a little hobbled by his evilness in this universe. He kind of flip-flopped a little bit, too. So he had, like, a real sense of duty, I think, which... Um, which hobbled him a little bit in this universe. He was actually far more effective when he could be a good guy in the uh, main universe. Yeah, that's true. I guess, like, ambition and things like that do get in the way of, like, making good change and being a, a person that is respected, I guess. I don't know. Everybody is super horny, and, well, they're all busy with... The war. The war against who, you might ask. The war against everyone. <laughs> you keep coming back to the horny. It's, uh, it seems to be a major bone of contention. <laughs> I mean, the mirror universe is horny. Like, let's... Constantly. Let's not... Let's not bad eyes at that. I mean, and unlike in the DS9 horny mirror universe, I feel like everyone's just pretty frustrated about it, except for people that are, like, actively having sex with Hoshi. And, like... <laughs> Like, Trip is so frustrated about the fact that he's, like, horny all the time, but he works next to a nuclear reactor and half his face is blown off. He's, like, he's real frustrated about it. Well, the Terran <laughs> Empire was destined to fall because it was maintained and run by incels. So... True. They are uh, all so repressed and so buttoned down that <laughs> the, the, the sexual energy exploded in a violent revolution. So... Well, I think it's also just because people like the conditions of living there don't seem exactly the most ideal. And I do think if people's super egos have been stripped away, we're just kind of left with all these ids of people. So yeah. people are either like super angry, super horny. Right. Um, it's a, it's a good I, I don't point. really see people enjoying themselves too much. I, I think back home, though, you have the Empire, right? The Terran Empire is something akin to the Roman Empire, perhaps, mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm, or maybe, mm -hmm. yeah. maybe, you know, maybe like uh, Napoleon and on down from there somewhere. But it's it's an empire. So you have these like uh, upper class um, billionaires or whatever um, who are pretty much kind of in control, short of being emperor, as long as they don't piss off the emperor. And I think they're probably right. having a lot of fun. Um, so, you know, like it's pretty similar to this universe in that regard. Well, and like one thing that I think is really interesting that I think is a pretty quick moment that's glossed over is at one point after Archer betrays Admiral Captain Forrest, he, he goes to Mayweather and is like, I want you to be my right hand. You're going to get your own quarters. You're going to get more food. And I think that that's, like, kind of a sticking point for me, because, like, one thing I find fascinating about Star Trek is not, Star Trek as a whole is not necessarily the no money aspect of it all, but the, there's no hunger Like, post-scarcity. Yeah, post-scarcity doesn't exist, but it seems like in this they never mirror achieved universe, that. they never get there, right? Yeah, they're not based so, around altruism. The dials for altruism are way down. The dials for pragmatism are way up. Everybody's just out for self in the mirror universe. So That's a good point. It goes back to that whole it thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some parts in a way, like, they're actually getting a bit ahead, too, because they also had a lot more ships at the time compared to the Prime universe, because they just have Enterprise and the Prime, but this one they actually had 
the Avenger, and I assume there must have been other classes of ships out there that imply that they have a fleet. Yeah, because like I think the only one that like gets named other than the Enterprise at this point throughout season four in the Prime Universe is Columbia. Is the Columbia? It's Columbia. Which and is the next Constitution class. Yeah, which is the next yeah. one or whatever. So is that a Constitution good class? Is that technically uh, NX. NX? The NX, sorry. the NX class is for Enterprise and Avenger. And I well, think remember the... they're not adverse to stealing from the races that they conquer either. So Absolutely. of course they're going to have more right. ships. Yeah, and the, well, and the yeah. fact that they are an empire, and if they are modeled on Rome, um, yeah, there's a lot of colonial <laughs> imperialist undertones. So I'm pretty sure. A lot of those Vulcans, Andorians, Tellarites, Orions are not necessarily there because they volunteered. Right. Mm. Especially they kind of hint at that, to too. Yeah. There's the other thing, too, is like also with the Zephyr and Cochran opening as well, is that, you know, they did steal that Vulcan ship and they didn't have to deal with Vulcans holding back information. They just kind of right. had an earlier start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's that's all of the tension of the first season of Enterprise is like the Vulcans won't let us stick our hand in the cookie jar. You know, mm-hmm. they don't, yeah, they don't trust us with it. They want to see us do it, but they don't really think we'll get there on our own, but they have no reason to collaborate with us, but they're going to watch everything we try. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, that's that the just, conflict, which is kind of not a conflict, but it kind of is. Yeah. Well, and especially in the universe, in the mirror universe, because it's just, well, we stole it. Yeah. And what now we're going to maybe like try and figure out how it works and maybe like 10, uh, 100 years down the line, we'll reverse engineer it. Well, that's a nice uh, counterpoint to the conversation that they have in the Vulcan arc earlier in the season between Admiral Forrest and Saval, where Forrest asks, are Vulcans afraid of humans? And this universe, they've got every reason to be afraid of humans because that same drive that in the prime timeline allows humans to build alliances is that same drive for colonialism, expansionism, and imperialism that drives the empire to become a force to be, the Terran empire to become a force to be reckoned with in the 22nd century, when in the prime timeline, they're very much, you know, oh, the the, the neighbors got a new Studebaker and now they're driving all over the country. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool. I like it a lot. Um, let's get to something actually earlier than the cold open and everything like that. Uh, This is kind of a de facto three-parter because it tacks on from an episode of the original series. Yeah, it's a surprise three-star three-trek with the Tholian web from the original series. Yeah, because I think was it a third or fourth season episode? It was pretty late. It was late, Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to say it was season three. But, yeah, um, walk us through that, guys. I, uh, it's it's a good episode. It's a solid classic. Mm-hmm. Who wants to take it? Who who likes the Tholian? I'll, I'll raise take, your hand. I'll, I'll I'll take the ball. I mean, I I like the mystery. <laughs> um, the Tholians of all the Star Trek uh, aliens we've seen to date are easily some of the most intriguing because they're not humanoid in any traditional way, shape, or form. And we find yeah. out in this episode what they look like from the waist down, and it's fucking crazy. <laughs> they're like crystal spider people and it's wild and i love that they went they took the initial ball of like the 60s had a cheap special effect we whipped up this like model over a weekend because we needed it for syndication we got to get those episodes out and they took the ball and ran with it and the mystery of what happens to the defiant is one of those lovely like star trek endings in the original series where like oh the problem solved let's just sail off never mind the (laughs) after effects of like 
we lost another Constitution class ship with all hands. <laughs> That's the Constellation, the Exeter, the Excalibur in war games, like the Yorktown, like they all just drop like flies. It's amazing that out of the original 12 ships, that 12 Constitution class ships that went out there, that the Enterprise made it back at all, let alone in time to get refitted and have three captains. Like, Jesus. <laughs> plot armor. Mm, plot armor, baby. Right. It's the only ship right. in the That's quadrant. That's that special button. Yeah. Special button on the dash. Sulu knows where it is. <laughs> the the go fast button. Yeah. Well, and the Tholian web is kind of, like, the episode itself is, like, focused on Kirk is, like, getting phased in and out constantly. Well, he gets, he gets stuck on the Defiant. The, yeah, yeah, And everyone else is able to be beamed back at once, but he gets stuck on it, and then it keeps kind of phasing in and out. But you don't really know where it's going. You just know it's not here anymore. Right. And <laughs> so this answers that question without it being, like, have you been waiting for 40 years to find this out? We have an answer for you. It's like, oh, just, like... We're just gonna we're just gonna do this. We're just it's gonna pick nice. up the baton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're just gonna run with it and see what happens. The it's best, not like anyone was screaming yeah. plot holes and they need to solve it. It was just an opportunity that they saw that originally I think I was reading that they they were trying to use it as an example uh, or as an excuse to get Shatner on the show. Yes. Yeah. And that there was like an alternate timeline where he got stuck on the Defiant indefinitely. Um, and he kept refusing, so then they had to, you know, rewrite around that because they were like, oh, this idea is too cool, we can't let it go, <laughs> Right. we're gonna do it anyway, and then they were gonna have it as, you know, this this world they could revisit more often, I think, than, than they had even in DS9, which had, I think, the previous most, most other visits to the Mirror Universe. Yeah, I think it had, like, four or five. And they were gonna, in season five, had they been picked up, they were gonna have these little palate cleansers between arcs um, on on the main show, and then kind of show these updates to the mirror universe, which would have been so much fun. Can you imagine? Yeah, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of behind the scenes baseball and stuff like that, the other thing that happens in the production timeline of these episodes is this is when Enterprise gets canceled. They were filming this. They were filming this when they got the call that Enterprise was not going to be picked up for a fifth season. And I think that is to the episode's advantage because everybody in this episode is already so angry and pissed (laughs) off because it's the mirror universe. Especially Hoshi. And then all all of them have to find new jobs in Hollywood, you know, in the next three months. So, like, I think... You know, it, it it works to the service of the episode, but it still is just a note that probably needs to be mentioned. Yeah, can you imagine being the actress playing Hoshi and, like, the way this series of episodes ends and being like, man, if we're going to come back to this, like, multiple times throughout season five, this is going to be so cool. This is such an opportunity for me as a character. And then literally, like, as you're filming the scene where I say, you know, Empress Sato, they get the call and some douchebag with a gigantic cell phone is telling you, you know, game over, friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest missed opportunities with Discovery was that, you know, as cool as it was to see, you know, Empress Georgiou, how yeah. wild would it have been for them to bring back, um, unfortunately I'm blanking on the name of the nice lady who plays Hoshi Satu. Sato, oh, but Linda Park. Linda Park. Yeah, but Linda bring Park. back Linda She's Park great. and have her play the, uh, like an aged 
Empress yes. Hoshisato so that we could see the knife go in the back. Like, because she's been ruling using the Defiance technology for like centuries. Right. And that would explain like how Georgiou knew about and dreaded the mainstream universe because Hoshi has been kind of the watcher on the wall as well because she had access to all those logs, including the one that drove right. Mirror Archer crazy. So yep. she had right. knowledge of the future as well as the technology. Which, I mean, is, it's a cool story. Mm -hmm. like... Heck yeah. It's very clever. I love the writing in this. Like, there's, it's just such a neat premise that Mirror Archer is haunted by what he perceives as the image of his ideal self from the real Star Trek timeline, who is just right. the devil on his shoulder whispering venom. And another thing that I like about the portrayal of Mirror Archer is that they hint that Mirror Archer might have the first telltale signs of the of the uh, like uh, brain-related malady that killed his father. So that's why he's yeah. so all over the yard. And he's literally having hallucinations of this other archer who's just like, you are such a fucking dolt. I was out there <laughs> becoming president of the Federation. I was out there. I saw a gazelle giving birth. What have you done? Like, just... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> great turn it's for great. I, I think Bacula is great. Bacula is super dialed in. In the second half of the episode, the first half of the episode, because it's about him trying to take the ship from. Well, he's, he's being squirrely, like, but you don't know that he's being squirrely because it's the mirror universe. So everyone's squirrely. So like when he actually makes his move, you're like, oh, OK, I guess I need to like rewatch this with that knowledge in, in hand. <laughs> so back to the Tholians and like the plot of what's going on. Rita's first officer. He's kind of a dick um <laughs> running and up. yeah and and T'Pol is looking hot and Ugh. sitting in the captain's chair so they ran so. out of fabric for her shirt um, yeah and fabric for Hoshi's shirt but like yeah. all the guys are fully clothed oh of yeah, course we it. can't have any we can't have any beefcake on this show that'd be ridiculous what you're talking about I mean, what if Tripp's tummy was just out of line? I mean, bit? what if, like, what if, like, the, what if that look, like the bare midriff, was just a requirement across the entire empire? Like, like a pirate, right? Like a pirate, exactly. <laughs> like a pirate, right? Or some of them just, like, some Capris of them have the, like, the, the vests. Yeah, like the, like the Federation, like the Federation, like evil Terran Empire, like pirate vest. Has the insignia and everything, but you're just totally rocking, like, the whole show. Like, show off those yeah. washboard abs. Come Leather on. Boots, there, was, there was a period of time when men in cro crop tops was, was the style. I mean, exactly. Johnny Depp, Will Smith, it was the 80s, like, yeah. they, all, they all rocked that shit. And, like, honestly, <laughs> I think it was an opportunity missed. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the thing, too, because, like, the captains, at least in the uh, the TOS version, they always, like, were, had their arms exposed. Yeah. And then right. even in the comic, too, when it was, like, Picard, mm -hmm. it was, like, super jacked. So I feel like as a captain, you almost had to establish this, like, stereotypical quote-unquote alpha bro oh yeah thing. oh like, yeah no you, you have to be jacked or you can't be a captain you gotta yeah, have the physical <laughs> dominance to be able to kind yeah. of lord that over your crewmates yeah. otherwise you're not going to rise you have you know, yeah it's yeah. like i don't care if you're over your 60s you gotta be jacked AM. you know who, jacked who's AM, the yeah. most physically dominant though is the brave male extras from the early seasons of tng that wore the mini dresses the, hell the guys. yeah oh the oh, scans because there were a yeah. handful of them like throughout mm -hmm. the early seasons of tng and then they stopped doing it for some reason i'm assuming when like berman and and braga showed up yeah when but, they killed like, joy yeah 
Right, you know, let's let's just get rid of all the things that are fun. But like dudes in miniskirts, bring it back. Yes. Yeah. We should But that's the thing, to Paul's outfit didn't even quite make sense because like they're kind of right. wearing a jumpsuit, but it's like for you it's like, no no, we'll just actually cut out some fabric. You know, like, and you know that fabric is works. not comfortable to wear in jumpsuit form. That's like a Dickies yeah. uniform that's like chafing yeah. your tummy and like no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, and because it was also the early 2000s, it's low all those low-rise pants. And, too. like, spoiler yes. fucking alert, if you have something that sits below your belly button, it's, like, barely covering your junk at that point. Like, it does not make sense in a workplace environment. In a universe that is predicated on people <laughs> stabbing you in the fucking back. Like, Why would you yes. leave You want to be able to exactly. see the back. <laughs> I, I have to think. Okay, this is just my head cannon rewriting it. But the 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 female is deadlier than male than the male. All these ladies can just snap necks like nobody's business. Like they earn the yeah, right to wear that shirt. Is it a power move? Because they have it's your a power move. Back yeah, that's that's your alpha of alpha female power move. Like I don't give a fuck. You can try. Be like fucking come for my tummy. I'm gonna like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna snap you in half like a I'm I'm rip you in half like a phone book. I do not give mm-hmm. a fuck. Yeah, you that's the only joke, way I can make but... it make sense. Imagine approaching the actress who played Hoshi uh, and and telling her, you get to be like the most Shakespearean character of this entire season. <laughs> oh, you, you are get Iago. to rise through sex and vials and, and violence and stabbing people in the back and jumping from bed to bed and literally having people killed at your command in order oh. to take over an entire empire and oh declare God, yourself yes. empress. I mean, she was probably like, oh, this is going to be. Oh, great. everyone in this episode. Oh, my God. Everyone's having a ball. It's it's a feast. Mm -hmm. Everybody is having the time of their lives. But here's the problem. Uh Uh-oh. And it kind of starts in the first episode Mm. and definitely carries on to the second episode. Is like half the main cast gets killed. (laughs) It's the genius of it. That's the genius of this show. Like, for the past three and a half years, it's always been... The Archer to Paul and Reed or and uh, Tucker show, and now we just watch them all just drop like flies as from behind the <laughs> scenes Hoshi Sato whispering poison in everyone's fucking ear. Like the only thing that could have made her final rise to power even better was if they'd done a usual suspects thing of like she was behind every single right. event that led to this moment. Like she chess mastered it and My watching head like that's exactly how absolutely I like to see it. and the. Last shot of her and Travis together, I'm just like, fuck yeah, fuck, fuck yeah. You two finally got the do in the mirror universe. Yes! We well, always scream justice for Hoshi, justice mm-hmm. for Mayweather. So, yeah. like, you know, we, we were very pro that pairing by the end of it. My yeah, God. that was awesome. That was... Yeah, Mayweather only had, like, five lines in, like, both episodes. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, at least you get some action. But yeah. I like it that it's kind of given them room to play, honestly. And I mean... Since we're talking about just going character to character, can we talk about Phlox? Yes. And, like, how much fun he is having. Oh, John Billingsley is having the time of his fucking life. And he's just just being the Dr. Jekyll. He's being... That's all he's doing. And he's, like, torturing the Tholian. He's torturing Archer. He's torturing Malcolm. Like, he he is having the time of his life. It's so good. He has this one moment of, like, maybe we could live in a different universe and then he's immediately electrocuted like yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> my favorite Whoops. bit is uh would you kindly die <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's the best line like and i love the fact that 
like he's playing the Garrett. Like he's sitting there at lunch and he's just yeah. so chill, laid back yeah. in the cut. Like if you ever want to, if, you, if you're ever wondering, like what would John Billingsley have been like if he played Garrick? Like holy shit, mirror yeah. flocks. Basically like, that. Yeah, and, that's a perfect comparison. And calling things forward to mirror mirror, Flocks invents the agony booth. Like it's beautiful. Yes. Like I could not have like if I was the writer, I would have immediately given myself a high five. Like just like I fucking <laughs> I nailed it. I nailed it. This is going to make the memory alpha people go nuts. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think, okay, this brings up a question for me. What do we think Mirror Universe Garrick is like? Oh, we've met Mirror Universe Garrick. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Andrew Robinson has expressed displeasure with his interpretation of Mirror Universe Garrick because he just thought he was golden cocked. Like, because he's just the flunky. Like, he's just, he shows up in. Oh, that's right. He's not in much of it. I mean, he's not very rememberable. Yeah, yeah. He's not, he's not what you want. Because he's literally just at one point chained to fucking Worf's throne at one point. And I was like, hmm. Okay, Worf. All right. All right. right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, I look forward to the fanfic writers starting their engines. But um, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) But yeah. But (laughs) apart from that, like he's he's literally just Goldicott, and you're just like, "Eh, this could have been better. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like they ran out of money when it came to that whole bit. They were like, (laughs) "Oh shit, we need to really do something with this character," and then we didn't. Mm -hmm. You know. Because you would think, like, if anyone was running the alliance, like, if anyone was the head guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, running the Worf's, rebellion, yeah. Running, well, no, like, running the evil empire, running the whole right. show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if, like, Worf's the lieutenant, Worf is the dragon. But if you were going to reveal the fucking leader of the alliance of the Bajorans, the Cardassians, and the, and the Klingons, yeah. like, cut to the fucking, like, Palpatine throne, it spins, and it's fucking Garrick. Because who else would it fucking be? Like, right. he's got fucking, like, Gul Dukat's head mounted on a fucking pike. Because that's just how yes. he rolls in the universe. He's like Vlad the Carpathian mixed with Machiavelli. It would be too good. Too <laughs> good he's got, a, he's got a little bit of that little finger action going on in there, too, though. Exactly. Yeah, like, he's, he's constantly, much, yeah. like, that's the genius of his position where he's, like, he's constantly spinning. Like, he's spinning the, he, he spins the, you know, the Terrans against these people. The Bajorans, the Bajorans against the Terrans. He spins the Klingons, the Cardassians. He keeps Keeps all those plates spinning because he's a fucking genius. But we just got this generic. Well, and that's why the Vulcans were such wimps in the mirror universe is they had no guile at all. Oh, like they're they're guileless in both universes. So they're Mm -hmm. like, you know, the best that they could hope for was I think the captain of uh, the other ship was like, you know, I I really shouldn't uh, betray everything. Mirrors, mirrors, so been uh, told to believe in. uh, Maybe uh, okay, I'll do it. You know, and it's just no guile at all. Yeah. Yeah, the most gratifying thing about that episode is you get to watch Saval die screaming. I mean, who said that? Why? Why would we? Um, why would we... <laughs> <clears throat> now we've now well, we've gone dark. Yes, we've gone. A well, little and dark. on top of that, I think it it kind of plays to, and this is where I thought like the big pullback reveal was going to come is when Mir Archer makes Mir Tapal the first officer. Hmm. And I thought that was going to be, like, after she leaves the room, they have this, like, very beautiful conversation about, like, you're just a Vulcan, I'm a human. Like, don't forget. Don't forget that. Like, here's Zephram Cochran's gun. I'm the real assistant manager. You can be assistant to the regional manager. (laughs) Right. 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 So, I I think that's kind of cool, too, as far as, like, 
the overall like structure of the mirror universe because like that's like the, the the politics and the world building and stuff like that like that's the shit i jam on mm-hmm. yeah, you Same. know and then let's talk about uh the second episode so the crew gets to the defiant and then the or enterprise just... gets destroyed by the tholian web and yeah we're we're on the defiant and it's all of like TOS sets and its original glory. All the beeps colors and colors and, yep. colors. and the nice thing is too is that um the directing team from the DS9 Mirror Universe episodes and I and I also believe the Trouble with Tribbles uh, DS9 episode worked on this mm-hmm. same same production and design team same I believe directing team and they were really able to carry that visual continuity and the shot work and the way mm-hmm. the Mirror Universe looks felt fluid to the interactions we've seen in the mirror universe before even though these are obviously new characters that we're seeing in that space yeah yeah it felt like they took the like old enterprise set and just lifted it well they 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 shot for shot rebuilt the the original defiant set from the tos episode like they used all of the original references yeah i like all the beeps and Yes, absolutely. The Jeffrey, the classic Jeffrey's tubes, like they make the Constitution class starship from the 60s look so gorgeous and in contrast, like they could have, they could have updated it a la Discovery. But I think that Mm -hmm. I think that this was like this, this two parter. I mean, if we're being real, if I can just if if it's just between y'all, me and the lamppost. um, This is (laughs) this is the love letter to the fans. Like I know Rick Berman says that. That episode uh, is a love letter to the fans, but this is the one where like Manny Cotto, the writers, like they got, um, they got the Okudas on board, like just the love, the love is sick in this episode, like from the costumes to the classic sound effects, to the Tholians, to the Gorn, to the Gorn, Gorn. to the motherfucking Gorn. I don't like. I don't like. I I I, I was disappointed in the Gorn. It's shitty alien guys. Come on, be gone from my sight. (laughs) I kind of like the classic alien. I love the Gorn in all its rubbery glory. Like that is (laughs) that is some '60s Doctor Who shit. And the fact that they brought it in and recreated it so lovingly, while giving it a little bit of a gloss, new gloss of paint, I was uh, over extremely fast move kit. Yes, yes. That was that was delightful. Like fuck doesn't have the tinfoil eyes. Yeah, fuck that species A four seventy. Nobody shit. was hitting Dorn. this thing with a double arm bar. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if only, oh, if only. But that would have been too much. That would have been that would have been that would have been, been flying too close to the sun on wings of wax to have Bacula deliver <laughs> that, that double arm bar. To the fans, to uh, circle jerk for the fans to just like to just like yeah. You got it. You're, you're straddling that line between you know a Star Trek homage and Galaxy Quest, and you've really right. got to keep that tightrope. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. it's great though. Uh, I mean, like I I like the Defiant. The 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 set design is really really good, but it also serves as like a plot point because as you mentioned earlier like archer starts going through the records mm-hmm. well and he starts having like an existential crisis i mean the strongest for me at least the strongest scene in the entire set of episodes is the scene with him and hoshi lounging and and 
and and Archer has found just some clothes that belong to dead people. So he put them on because they were in the captain's quarters and he's the captain now. And it's just like so casually bizarre. And he's reading through these records and starting to have this like internal existential crisis himself. So he tries to share it with Hoshi, who keeps kind of shutting it down. Right. Once she gets a little too deep with it, she doesn't want to know her own future, even in an alternate reality. And meanwhile, Archer is reading voraciously everything he can find and it's messing with him yeah and it's messing with him in a way that is is not really recoverable i think i think hoshi starts enjoying it though she likes to fuck with him a little bit she slides in and kind of presses play and then he slaps her hand away and you know and she kind of giggles and gets up and walks away you know and it's she's she kind of slides into it it's pretty funny well, my thinking is that she's playing reverse psychology. Psychology. She doesn't want him to know that she wants to know, because otherwise Archer might just delete that, ar- like that whole archive out of spite. And he eventually does. Right. Yeah, he eventually yeah. does, and all they get really is the technology. But he gets like the the whole bit where you know uh, Hoshi's reading about the Federation, and Archer's just like a Federation of fools, and it's just like he's just trying to he's trying to dismiss it, but it's just. It's just marinating in his brain. Like the thing about Muir Archer is that his life is predicated on ambition and envy. Like he envies forced position, but when he gets forced position and becomes captain of enterprise, it's not enough. Then he gets the defiant. Then he gets the literal technology and knowledge of the future. More importantly, he knows exactly who he is in this alternate reality. It's still fucks with him because there's this other version of himself that is the best version of himself and he knows on a subconscious level he can never compete and so it coalesces into that devil in his mind it's It's just fucking great matter thing yeah no seriously (laughs) the enemy within stacy you gotta understand too the other part is powerful and beloved yeah no and he can't well respected there's no way more ambitious in many ways and more successful Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. he's really just a toady for forest in this universe Mm -hmm. and he resists even up to the point when he finally tells the admiral hey look go fuck yourself the defiance mine um right up until that point he's like you're gonna you're gonna put me in front of the emperor right you're gonna crown me as like (laughs) the greatest hero of the empire and the emperor's gonna give me my own command and it's probably gonna be this ship because i already know you know like some stuff about it and they're like this is my show you know uh, this is you know this is uh i'm gonna give it to the emperor and you're just uh, gonna go in the report as the good little soldier who brought it to me (laughs) yeah and then he shoots the admiral because I don't know, man. Everybody's got a target on their back. He finds the ambition. He finds the ambition to reach for that, for his own chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It is a, It is one giant game of spy versus spy in the mirror universe. You either get or get God. You don't want to get too far ahead or else you'll get blue shelled. I feel mm-hmm. it's like the axiom of the mirror universe. I think years of blue balls had pretty much um, kind of rotted his brain a little bit. Too, oh, without a doubt. He doesn't like, seem to be anywhere near as smart as the... Uh, you know, our universe is the main universe is mm-hmm. Archer. Um, yeah, he's he, like, a little dull. He's like, okay, I'm going to do this like 5D chess thing, you know, where I make to Paul my first <laughs> officer and like, predictably enough, totally just betrays him and then Hoshi yeah. comes in from behind and steps all over him and takes what she wants and it's like, dude, are yeah. you, really? You're Archer? Yeah. yeah, you know what he is? You know what he is? He's a stormtrooper that through sheer dumb luck managed to airlock Darth Vader and is now like, I'm in charge now! 
<laughs> and like everybody's like, oh no, Frank, no, no, sweetie, no. That's not how it works. That's not, that's how, not, it works. That's yeah, not yeah. how. I, I mean, you think that would have be how this works, but that's not how this works. You hey, have Frank. you have a function, and you are you are stepping outside of your function. You are a goon. That is Cheer your, up, that guy. Is your it's Thursday night, and it's bowling <laughs> night. Here's your toothbrush. Go clean the bathroom. Yep. Sloppy Joe Wednesday. Like we're gonna have those. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. And then the other, like, big sticking point in the second episode has to do with uh, the database that Archer eventually deletes, because T'Pol gets a hold of it and is, oh my gosh, there's there's a federation. What if Vulcans and humans worked together instead of Vulcans being humans' little bitch? And oh, bless your heart. She tries it's the first spark that ultimately undoes the Empire. Yep. And I mean, she she ropes flocks uh, into it. And... I mean, he's immediately killed for it. Right, right. He's immediately killed <laughs> immediately for it. killed immediately. And that's no good because any universe. Wait, was he actually flocks... killed? I thought he was just knocked out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I assumed he was killed because it's the mirror universe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, because I kind of got the impression they did have an intention if in case they revisited it. I don't oh, think, fair. aside from Archer, I don't think any of the characters actually died, but they were, like, close to. Because even Reed was like, it might go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That's, right. yeah, I figured, again, like, I figured Reed and Phlox had been, they were out for the count, but again, that's with the knowledge that the show does not continue. Right, so, right exactly. I, I like to think that Phlox woke up later in a cell and the bars looked exactly like those warp coils. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. to. I have and it's to just, think. You get to die of radiation poisoning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they want to keep. We're going to keep you here until we need you. Yeah. yeah, And I, I don't know. I, I kind of like that as the genesis of. I don't want to say the slaves, but like. The, the the slaves dude. the people the, under yeah. the people under the boot of the empire yeah. kind of rising up at best indentured yeah at best indentured that that's a the more accurate way to put that the prisoners with jobs yeah i don't i don't want to go i don't want to go too dark here but we mm. have this whole system in this country for for people mm. like that and and we even pay them like 35 cents an hour so Oof. right yep. not far sure off do. It and there's that sucks. Whole, yeah. And there's that whole bit where Archer is rallying all the humans and non-human members of the Enterprise crew to commit the revolt. Okay, he's but, just can, like, yeah, yeah. Can you all join with me, and I will make sure that your lives are lives of purpose and meaning. And like he's doing the same. Like, and when right. I was watching that, I was like, this is some Nazi shit. <laughs> some yeah, straight up, is. This is some is. Nazi shit right now because he's going to them and he's just feeding into their their anger, their impotence, their rage, and he uses them entirely for their own for his own purposes. And you just know the minute he got the Defiant and knew that he could staff it with a human crew, all of them would have just been shipped off somewhere. Oh yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay. and there's there's I believe in that shot. There's like an Endorian. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah, there's some other couple. There, there's a couple Vulcans. There's an Orion. There's an Orion. There's an Orion. Is there? Uh, I want to say Tellurite, but I don't know. Tellurite. Yeah. Tellurite. I think there might be a Tellurite. Yeah. There's one in the start of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were right. torturing right. one. Right. But, yeah, yeah. And the other thing I would like to note is that their like weird Empire Nazi salute. 
like just goes mm-hmm. straight out so like nobody can be too close to each other it's like the social distance nazi salute <laughs> yeah well it's, it's <laughs> i like, think it's meant to be it a just cracks me up yeah it's meant to be a shout out to the to like the traditional roman salute which yeah because yeah. they make fists mm-hmm. at the yeah, end because yeah. i yeah. think they're really tried it's like can this be aired in germany let's keep it at yeah <laughs> i think that's why so, yeah. that's might be also why they did that on the on the original series like because you're first yeah. you're looking at that salute you're like whoa, 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 whoa and then you're like oh, oh exactly okay. okay all right oh jesus <laughs> i mean I, I like it later in the second episode when it's not only uh i almost said kirk <laughs> it's not only <laughs> archer that dons like the traditional captain's uniform but like throughout like the subsequent scenes eventually everybody is like well, found some clothes. I well, found some clothes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this one's red. Like, well, yeah, all their all gear little... got destroyed. Yeah, so they need they yeah, need true. to kill for what they have. Yeah. Well, they're obsequious oh, yeah. little worms, and when Archer does it, they all have to do it too. You know, I mean, that's really what it comes down to, right? They're on his OnlyFans, and they're like, "That's a cool outfit," and so they all <laughs> dig it out of <laughs> dig it out of their closets in their state rooms, and they put it on, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." I'm Tucker's like, now. "Yeah, I got a red shirt. Obviously, this is the best shirt to wear on a ship." Like Obviously, <laughs> it's blood red. I'm so easy to see in this red shirt. <laughs> and Tabal's like, "This one hides my stomach." Uh, yeah. Makes sense. It's the color of blood. Clearly, this was well worn by the leaders. <laughs> the commanders. <laughs> uh, and Tapal is just excited that one actually like covers her stomach. It's like finally I can eat some veggie burgers. Well, that <laughs> my, leg, yeah. my legs aren't covered, but yeah, my, my yeah. tummy is. This skirt is this yes. skirt. Yeah, yeah the skirt's clinging tenaciously to my ass. But hey, just sliding it up. <laughs> is there any way I can be so idealistic that I can betray Archer but not get caught? Hmm. <laughs> my sweet summer child and then of course like we get to the ending which like i mean we've already talked about with, so badass yeah with Beautiful. hoshi killing archer and blowing up san francisco sure <laughs> just with the defiant and like, like you do yeah mm-hmm. and and i i am the ruler now like it's about sending know, a I message mean, look at me look at me look at me i am, I am the, captain the captain now, now. Right, right. That's exactly right. what yeah. this is. This is a universe that doesn't have email. So when you send a message, <laughs> hang it out there. You're not, you're not just going to CC everybody on Earth and go, I'm the emperor. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, yes. And you just know she built her palace on top of the ruins of that previous emperor. It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, like she's just yeah, like, absolutely. I want to remind you all of how fucked you are every day and the defiant orbits every day you see it just overhead in the sky because fuck all y'all i got mine you better get yours am i (laughs) not capably murderous am i not ridiculously attractive yes yes also yes nobody has ever made the line Stand by for instructions. Sound so fucking sexy. Like, <clears throat> yeah. The thirst is real. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, no, that ending, I think, was just super iconic. And I was just like, you know, if this was a three-parter, I would have been here for that. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because, and that that was kind of like the magnum opus we found with season four is like all of these three-parters are really freaking good well, keep they, doing three-parters they were really like leaning into the the serialization but still having these mini arcs that conclude in a satisfying way and really kind of leading the way for the that early aughts kind of golden era tv structure mm-hmm. whether or not they 
you know, knew that was the way things were going or not at the time. It, it works really well, and you don't see a lot of other shows now that do uh, those mini arcs in quite the same way. No. Everything's really gotta be serialized. Now. Like, fully serialized. You, like, miss one episode, like, screw you, like, what episode of Bly Manor are you on? I don't know. Is yeah. the one where the guy dies, and, like, that's how you have to measure time with, like, a lot of these modern shows as opposed to, like, the actual story arc that's currently happening. Yeah. And it's it's not necessarily for better or for worse, but, like, it's definitely, it's a moment in television history that I don't know that they're they're doing quite this way anymore. Right. I just think they do it on purpose. I think that, yeah. Yeah. I think that this way, you know, it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly, like you said, you know, but somebody died or there was a big fire or, you know, whatever, but... It's kind of hard to pin by exactly what episodes were really, really good and which ones kind of missed the mark. If you right. don't have, you know, if you have a really serialized kind of thing where you can't look away at all or you missed it. And it's right. it's developed in such a way that you're you're meant to, to binge it over a weekend and see it as like a 10 hour movie, which I mean, Star Trek, I mean, I would argue is is one of the few IPs that's now, you know, I would say like shows like Mandalorian over on the, the Disney front are are also doing like the the appointment viewing television that have the longer arcs again as well but you know really it's star trek stepping back in with like picard and discovery and doing that appointment viewing so that you're not just sitting there binging having this show that you can watch over the course of five hours while stuff's going on in the background and you're working and you're doing other things like you're you need to, like, sit down and, like, check out what's going on this week. And you need to engage with it. And you need to engage with it because it's special. They're doing this thing this week for you. And yeah, here you it's go. it's TV for watching, for real. Um, yeah. As opposed to just background stuff, so. If they do want to drop the entirety of season two of Lower Decks in one day, though. I would watch it in one day. <laughs> but even then, like, oh, it's, you know, it, the structure yeah. of Lower Decks, even though they have, like, the... The, you know 23 minute comedy or whatever structure and there's a certain amount that like it's like what if sitcom but like tng and shorter and cute and adorable and i love it like they still touch on things over the course of the season and have those grander arcs which mm -hmm. is lovely yeah and it makes it nice that like you only get the one episode a week because it's this nice little thing that leaves you wanting more yeah yeah we love lower decks that's for damn sure <laughs> season two cannot come fast enough nope. it's like three weeks from this point of this recording yeah. but it's it's the reason i mean you know i've got my own issues with a lot of the ryan murphy shows in general but like it's the reason american horror story is like unwatchable week to week right. completely unwatchable right but if you watch it in like one 10 hour go you have a fun time yeah it's pretty and, good and star trek just bucks these trends and maintains that like we can tell you coherent stories and we'll have you tuning in every week can I just say, though, that I, I like that there's a variety among the various treks as far as this kind True. of thing goes. Like, you got your lower decks, which I haven't started yet, I'll admit. But um, you can binge that. You guys like binging that. That's great. Um, and then you know, for me, like, um, I, I was definitely not alive and on the planet when they originally aired those episodes. But the original Star Trek being so uh, episodic is um, mm -hmm. almost like if I'm not feeling good or if I'm feeling really down or whatever, I can, if I'm going to lay in bed that day and just kind of feel sorry for myself, or if yep. I have a cold or something, you know, and I eat some chicken soup and I put on some uh -huh. TV, I want to watch, you know, something like the original Star Trek. I want to watch something right. that is just, you know, 
brain, brain, and more brain, you know, and mm-hmm. then on to the next thing, maybe, or I take a nap, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I lose the whole thing if I uh, if I fall right. asleep, you know. Yeah, TOS was right. very medicinal for me growing up because whenever it used to air on the CBC here in Canada, and so if I had a sick day and I was at home, invariably around noon, twelve thirty, an episode of the original series would play. So I always associated with staying home sick and just recuperating and resting. Something very medicinal about that show. Maybe that's where I got yeah. the association because it was in syndication there in Southern California. Exactly. You know, yeah, in the yeah. mid '70s, and mm-hmm. and I just every time I was home sick or something, I would just lay there kind of and watch it. That it just yeah. has always been like chicken soup for me. Mm-hmm. I have that same experience, but with uh, TNG back when it would air like three or four episodes in a row on like Spike in the evenings on the weekdays. It's like I have some fond memories of just like I need trying to, do to dodge my homework, yeah. but also not feeling great and maybe taking some cold medicine. And like then you just watch a marathon of TNG. Yep. And yep. then you've got a night. Yep. You, you got cold medicine. You take your NyQuil. Worf's there. It's great. You fall asleep watching it. It's like, you know, these are the these are the the presences that were with you, you know, when, when things weren't good. Yeah. Yeah. I think especially with TNG, it was the same category, too, because like that was on when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'll still watch an episode from time to time if I'm multitasking. And it just kind of has that nice, like, comforting 90s optimism. Yeah. That <laughs> it's like, ah, the good old times. Yep. So, yeah. It actually saved my life, I think. It kept me away from, um, you know, getting involved in a lot of hard drugs and stuff. I was playing in a band yeah. and I was living in a, a squat with a bunch of, you know, dudes that I knew and, and girlfriends and that kind of stuff. And we were, we'd turn that on and we would all watch it. And it kind of grounded me just enough to where I wasn't, you know, I like, yeah, life's not you know, necessarily a Motley Crue or, a, you know, a Soundgarden video or whatever. Life is also <laughs> like you could aspire to be more like Picard, too. So we did, you know, it's kind of funny. Yeah, you can be bigger and grander than what you are. It, it gives you hope and aspirations. That's what I always love. Yeah. So one thing I want to touch on before we do closing thoughts and everything uh, we kind of mentioned this before we started recording, pre-conversation. Star Trek is responsible for a lot of things, but I think this being the Mirror Universe is like one of the big things that Star Trek has contributed to pop culture. Because I don't think you get things like the Spider-Verse. You don't get things like Loki. Well, and, you and might the get idea, Doctor Who. The idea of putting like, a, a goatee on someone's face means it's the evil version of them is like so culturally ubiquitous. Right. Everyone knows what it means, even if nobody knows it's from Star Trek. Right. And I think these, you know, stories of like alternate universes or what if Gwen Stacy got bit instead of Peter Parker or what if you know, Superman lands in Russia and not in the U.S. Like, this is the genesis of the alternate reality, is is the mirror universe. And I think that's just, like, really cool. I think it's also the place where, where that idea converges with the idea that, you know, you, you've had all of these changes that have had to happen to franchises over the years out of necessity, but what if they all were valid and existed? Right. And like and the like CW opportunity was opened because of that. Yeah, like the CW uh DC shows have made good use of that over the years. Yeah. To to find ways to, you know, either have things happen without relative large consequences, but still, you know, have their cake and eat it too. Right. Everything is canon. Nothing mm-hmm. is canon. Like it's all the same thing. 
And I think the Mirror Universe is kind of like the on. But there's, you know, there's going to be a Flash movie, maybe someday in the next five to ten years, possibly, where, you know, you're going to have multiple Batman show up from movies from different studio, or, you know, different, different uh, creative teams and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like, again, they can all just have these moments where they converge and everything can can have a home, which is nice. I love the Mirror Universe. Do you guys have any thoughts on that before we wrap up? Well, yeah. I think that the Mirror Universe <laughs> thing is not only a pop culture thing right now, but it's it's become a science thing. And Star Trek has always been like that, right? I mean, back right. when the original series aired, every star they went to had planets, and now we're kind of finding out it's probably true that most stars that you know, are out there, have their own planets. And now we've got, you know, literally, you've got hardcore you know, theoretical physicist, Max Tegmark, talking about, you know, the mathematical uh, nature of level one, two, three, and four multiverses, and describing mathematically why these things are, one of those is probably certain, you know. And I think that yeah. that's, um, mm-hmm. it's really weird how they were kind of tapped into the zeitgeist uh, for that kind of thinking. Um, long before, not only entertainment-wise, but also kind of like in the, the more like uh, academic, you know, sense, um, these things were in the popular kind of consciousness. Right. And I mean, we all know that, you know, Star Trek predicted iPads and, you know, Alexa, <laughs> turn on the lights and computer shields up red alert. Like all medical all technology as well. Too. Yeah. A ton of medical technology. But like to predicate, you know, mathematic equations to prove other universes is kind of cool too i wonder if all those protons and neutrons also have mustaches and goatees mm. that's got to be how it works right <laughs> that's how you know <laughs> if you go far enough you know 10 to the 10 to something light years away trillions and trillions and trillions of light years away you eventually run into a version of yourself and it's got an evil mustache so mm. yep <laughs> yep it's 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 science fact that's for sure <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for joining us. There's just nothing but love for this episode, this pair of episodes. Uh, Barris, did you have any closing thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, basically, just seconding everything as well. Um, also along the lines of how the universe kind of functions in its way and how they're kind of developing it more in uh, Discovery. And I do think it is kind of cool just how they almost made an anatomical difference from somebody from the mirror image, or sorry, the mirror universe to the prime universe. And I thought that was kind of a cool touch. Yeah. So it kind of fleshes things out a little bit more. Um, that being said, obviously, monitoring the lineage of a mirror universe compared to our own, considering that people seem to be quite disposable, and I guess the <laughs> butterfly effect doesn't really mean much there. But. Oh, and then also everyone just kind of talks in that sort of like angry, raspy way, which is kind of <laughs> cool sounding, but seems to be a ongoing, or maybe that's also an anatomical thing. But yeah, otherwise, uh, no, that was, that's it. Yeah, it's aggressive speech and everybody speaking in those same tones is very, but it works. Exactly. Yes. Yes, it does. Derek, did you have any closing thoughts? I think that there should be like a source book for 5e D&D that kind of lays out those <laughs> those lineages and the timeline and the whole thing for the mirror universe because if there isn't um i would love that job um you can uh, you can reach me at uh yeah um that that has got to be one of the goofiest 
conceits and plot devices ever created in the Star Trek, you know, kind of original series era that has stood the test of time and just become this, you know, matter, anti-matter, good and evil, mustache and virtue, you know, and it's, um, I, I just love everything <laughs> about it. Yeah, it's great. Stacy, did you have any closing thoughts? Well, the episode is a delight, and I think we've we've all talked it up to the stars and back. But I do have another fiction recommendation, prose. Uh, if you're so looking for some more fun in the Mirror Universe and had some questions about the end of this episode, might I recommend the short story anthology Star Trek Mirror Universe Glass Empires. It features fiction okay. by uh, Dayton Ward and Kevin Dilmore based on a story by the writer of this episode, Mark Sussman, called Age of the Empress. That basically picks uh -huh. up where this episode leaves off with Hoshi Sato holding Earth at gunpoint. There's also a story called The Sorrows of Empire in which um, we deal with Spock being left by Kirk at the end of Mirror Mirror and what he tries to do. Um, one of the most intriguing is the story The Worst of Both Worlds and <laughs> involves a archaeologist treasure hunter named Luke Picard who's working for Gull Madrid. And is looking for his lover, Bosch, and things take a turn, is Fantastic. all I'm going to say. Yeah. I love Mirror Universe stuff. Oh, Caitlin, so did you have any closing thoughts? I mean, this episode is, is truly a delight, and it, it just makes me, you know, so sad that they didn't get the opportunity to tell more of this storyline. And at the same time, my god, way to go out, like, right at the tail end with a bang and, you know, not realize it until you're halfway through filming it. But, right. um, it's, it's just, it's exciting to watch. It's fun nonsense. Mm -hmm. But then when you start scratching the surface, you find out, like we were talking about earlier, all of the love that went into creating these, this pair of episodes. The, the, the attention to detail, the fact that the the dead crew on the bridge are in the exact same positions they were in on the bridge in Tholian Web. Right. Like, down to the freaking blocking, it's the same. It's absolutely wild. And, um, you know, bravo. It's just, it's just an excellent little piece of television. Alright, I'm about to drop something on you that you forgot, and that Stacy forgot, and that Derek forgot, and that Barrows forgot. Okay. Halfway through the first episode, when Archer is telling everybody, oh, we found this warp signature, we're going to follow it. He turns to everybody in the conference room, and T'Pol turns to him and says, the science director yes! has oh, sat down oh, and has God. determined that alternate realities are not possible. No, when that, when the, I'll give you guys a little, uh, little behind the scenes. When that happened in the episode, and we have been laughing about the Vulcan science directorate on this show for probably ten episodes now. <laughs> I literally spit my drink through my nose. It was forceful, it didn't feel good, but then I kept laughing because it was so deeply funny, and it's probably the funniest oh, joke they've ever had on the God. series. I agree. The science director it was just <laughs> not giving a shit about science. It was so pleasurable. <laughs> it's my favorite dumb thing. The science director is the best thing. unreliable narrator in this series. Right. That is 100% accurate. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, that was delightful. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. I know it was a jam-packed episode. 
you can always catch us every Thursday. We're releasing until we run out of two-parters, which is very soon, and we're very sad about it. Uh, next week, we'll be covering uh, Demons and Terra Prime, and we also might talk about that other <laughs> final Enterprise episode. Yeah, that other final. You know the one. Let me start we gotta, sharpening we gotta, my knife. You know, we gotta, yeah, we gotta sharpen our knives to stab in the back of Will Riker, who is... You know, wearing a shirt that covers Why? his back. So how will we know where to point it? Jonathan Frakes. Because they're chef knives. We're sharpening oh, our chef, chef knives. knives. Johnny Frakes. It's our our, our pizza cutters. Yeah, our pizza cutters. If he needed the money, you could have just come to me. You could have talked to me. I would have I would have floated you a couple bucks, John. I would have floated you a couple bucks. Why'd you do this, John? Why'd you do this to me, John? So we've got a killer finale lined up. For Enterprise next week, and that certainly kills something deep in my soul. Mm. Yeah, it does. It was just starting to get good. I think I that's the thing that that's, stings the most. Yeah. Yeah, we were just we'll, we'll get there. We'll, we'll get just there. pulling we'll get out of the nose. It's been a long time. Yeah, getting from there to here. Yeah, it has. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. As always, new episodes every Thursday. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Star Two Trek, and to be continued.